I know you. You are afraid to speak up. You are scared of what other people think of you. And you blame yourself for what happened to you. I know how it feels because I've been there. If you found me, I'm so grateful you are here. This podcast will give you hope. And I'm your host, Anna Ditchburn. I'm going to hold your hand and provide the guidance that I needed the most. It's time for you to find your why and turn your experience into your superpower. So lock your door, put your headphones in and enjoy. Welcome to the second part of the world's best trauma recovery podcast. And I'm with my beautiful guest, Cardelia Gaffa. And in the first part, you would hear a lot of gold and uh, a lot of amazing stories and advice from Cardelia, how to self-love, self-nurture, and and have a joy in your life. And today we continue the story uh, of how to find the time and space for self-nurturing. Um, so <clears throat> in that moment, um... I just chose to feel into my body. It's like, how do I feel right now? You know, and uh, and this all, of course, happened in the bathroom because that's where moms hide. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so when I felt into my body, I was, you know, feeling some tension, feeling some mostly tension, but different types of tension. And I was kind of curious about it, but of course I knew I was limited with time. So I just picked a piece of my body, like, you know? And so that day, I think it was my shoulders. And I said, what could I do to relax my shoulders? And so I just focus on that until the notorious, mommy, and I was like, oh, that felt so good. Now I can do this, you know? And then I would leave the bathroom and get back into it. And um, so, but over time, I was able to do it outside of hiding. So now, like, if I'm with my children and I get caught up in the, oh, my God, there are Legos everywhere. I just can't deal with this. What did I do? I laid on the floor with them to see what they see. And why it's so much fun for them while it's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. And then when I see why it's so much fun and like whatever city it is that they think that they're building that I just stepped on and, you know, they're <laughs> upset about it and I'm upset about it because it hurts. <laughs> then it's like, oh, oh, I totally get it, you know, and just hmm. be a kid with them you know mm -hmm. and the the thing about time is like it doesn't exist mm. yeah even if you want to rush yourself think about the times you've rushed yourself hurry up and clean up so we can do this so we can do that but what if you don't hurry up and clean up what if you just luxuriate and playing with your kids right and then you're like negotiating with yourself and them because you really don't want to clean up because it's a lot, right? And we're talking about a two, four and six year old, forget about it. I'm like, okay, so what toys are we not going to play with right now? 
And then they tell me, and I'm like, okay, well, what if we put them where they belong? Like, well, what if we put them where they near, near where they belong? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm good with that as long as it's in that corner and I don't have to step on it, you know? And then what toys do you think that you might play with later? And then we give a space for that, you know? And uh, that may not sound like it, but it's nurturing because you've already cut out what we were talking about in part one, right? Mm -hmm. So now you've, you have chosen to eliminate stress by not yelling and screaming at your kid and not by ups and, and not uh, obsessing about the cleaning. Mm -hmm. You're like killing two birds with one stone and you just gave yourself 10 years of life. Yeah. <laughs> what a wonderful, wonderful advice, Cordelia. I think you just, you just solved so many mom's problems. <laughs> Thank you so much. And for me as a future mom, it's very important. I love how you said, be a, be a kid with them, be a child. And it just eliminates so much stress. I agree with you. Cordelia, in your book, again, you mentioned that you were born when your daughter, when I think when your first daughter was born. How did your life look like? before you you transform your life yeah i you know i was always a really happy child and very optimistic and very um you know hopeful and i feel like you know on, on some level I was doing it from an unconscious space, you know, and from another level later, it became more conscious. I, I always felt like I was a lot bigger than my body, right? So I was always living in that spiritual world for a long time. But what made things very um, concrete for me was when I found out that, you know, my mom had a chronic illness and it, the onset was with my birth right so i was you know i i was like it didn't immediately hit me to have guilt about that you know mm -hmm. um i was a toxemia birth and quite literally ejected from her body which saved both our lives I, I was supposed to be born in september i was born in july and i'm still alive you know yeah. so like in 1972 <laughs> i was born at home right and i was four pounds and uh my mom didn't die and I didn't die. And, um, but she uh, had, she developed kidney failure uh, in the first two years of my life. Mm -hmm. And of course they didn't tell me that when I was little, little, but I think I was about seven when I became aware of that because she had a surgery. And there, I like heard whispers of, you know, what if she doesn't make it and da 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 da. Mm -hmm. And so I, um, my while well, my parents were very loving and they had a very close relationship and very nurturing i actually learned self-nurturing from my mom because of her chronic illness she had to take good care of herself and we had to eat a certain way so we ate very healthy you know she kept a kitchen garden so you know the grounding was like part of my life and the knowing that you must put food uh, love in your food as the mm. secret ingredient you know like that was part of 
the way I was raised. Um, and outside of that, I mean, I was, I was pretty much an introvert and I didn't have a lot of friends at school and I didn't talk a lot, but I was really smart because I spent a lot of time reading books and I spent a lot of time with adults, you know, so mm. I'm the youngest of four and my four girls and my, um, my dad was 61 when I was born and my mom was 40, you know, so my parents were adults <laughs> when, when I was born and, um, I was a product of their second marriage. So they were widow and widower when they got married, you know, mm. so they really knew how to love and have and cultivate a healthy relationship. So that's what I grew up with. Cordelia, you also mentioned in your book that you had two miscarriages before your firstborn. And this topic is very close to my heart. Do you, do you know what was the reason of your miscarriages? And what, what, what did you do to have your first child? So these miscarriages were in between my first and second child, actually. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if I put it out of order in the book, but my parents had died before I got married and had children. So, um, I, and I had a very stressful job. So by the time um, my daughter was born, I, I was working for a startup. So I was not yet in a high, I was, I was like a, I reported to the CFO, right? So I had a pretty high stress job. And so I was carrying a lot of weight. I hadn't processed the grief. My dad died first. I didn't process that grief. Um, and then my mom died the next year and, uh, I was more okay with that one. Mm -hmm. And, and then, like I said, I had the stress of my job. I had the stress of, you know, being newly married, I had the stress of being newly, um, Muslim, I had the stress of, um, being a new mother, right? So all that stuff. And then also just for kicks, you know? societal pressure because it was like tick 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 my daughter was born when i was 29 so i was trying to rush and have another one before 30 like psh, yeah that's really hard <laughs> well actually i think no i must have been 28 when she was born but you know i mm -hmm. was like yeah so my doctor literally told me you can't have a baby back to back like that you need to mm -hmm. give your body a chance to rest um, all the other stuff that I just told you about the grief and the stress, these are things that I found out many years later, right? Because back then it was just like, oh, you know what happens sometimes 50% of all pregnancies and, and, and yeah. miscarriages and you know what I mean? Very, <laughs> that's what the doctor said. And I, um, but I didn't, you know, really believe that the worst part of it is when I, I finally did get pregnant. It was a horrible pregnancy, you know, actually. And I, I gained like 65 pounds. I was on bed rest. I <laughs> fell down the stairs. That's not funny, actually. But <laughs> um, I didn't, I mean, I didn't fall down all the stairs. It was like 10 stairs, you know. I guess that's a lot when you're six months pregnant. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, uh, and so I, that's, you know, after that pregnancy is when I really started to do the research. And um, especially because I went to my doctor with wanting help from her, right? 
And mind you, I'm, I'm jumping around a little bit here. When my dad died, I had started really my study of holistic medicine because I feel like his death could have been avoided. But anyway, so I went to the doctor when I had postpartum depression and she was just like, oh, you know, we can give you a prescription for that. And um, so she wanted to give me uh, an antidepressant. And that's when I decided I've got to, I've got to heal myself, right? So I didn't take the antidepressant. Instead, I learned how to use food as medicine. So I really dove deeply into like any ancient practice of, of medicine, holistic medicine, where you use food as medicine. And having become recently Muslim, I found that like there's a whole tradition, like there's this book called The Canon of Medicine, which was written by Ibn Sina. I think I forgot, Ibn Sina is what they call him in Latin. Anyway, so I was like studying and practicing that. And that was really, um, that I would say was more a distinct transformation and understanding of how my body works specifically how a woman's body works and um, and just paying attention to what foods are right for me. So, yeah. Amazing. And now you're helping others. What do you think makes you different from others as a coach? Um, I'm me. <laughs> <laughs> It's very important, very important. Yeah, besides the fact that every every trauma I've experienced, I've actually taken the time to do the research and practice and uh, build upon those practices over the years. And I live, I have lived, right? And I am living the the practice of healing every day. I'm, I'm not like running out and getting certified for this and certified for that. It's like, mm -hmm. like I said, you know, because of my, you know, miscarriages, because of my postpartum depression, I studied holistic, because of my dad's death, you know, mm -hmm. I started studying herbology, like when I was 24, right? And then I've been using herbs all these years. And and like, as I got older, my pregnancies actually got better. And then I intentionally had my last three children at home. So like my last child, that was 42 years old. It was the best pregnancy of my life, you know? And um, I, and now, you know, that I've gotten a divorce, you know, my, my latest healing is about my sexual trauma, you know, from during marriage, I, I know this sounds controversial, but many married women, they're experiencing sexual trauma now, right? Because they're disassociating from their bodies and, you know, oh, well, he needs to get his nut or whatever it is, right? And they just go through the motions or they don't, or they use sex as a weapon, right? That is the form of sexual trauma. When people think of sexual trauma, they think, oh, rape or molestation you know, there's all, there's so many just different levels, you know, and on some level, you know, uh, anyway, that's like a whole nother podcast, <laughs> but anyway, so I'm now studying authentic Tantra for that. And I can't really explain what it's doing, but I feel, you know, it's de 
definitely relate it to uh, a lot of the transformation that I've seen in my life because many of the practices that deep meditation is to realign the nervous system and specifically uh, surrounding the operation of the vagus nerve, right? Which is a direct line from your, um, your uterus to your brain for women anyway. And mm -hmm. so this is another thing that can cause, you know, inf infertility or, you know, cervical cancer. And, you know, it's like, there's like all the stuff that people don't know, like sex is a medicine too. So there's food as medicine, sex is medicine. So that's what makes me different. I love what you said. Uh, you're not getting certifications. You are getting your life experience. And I think this is the most powerful thing when when you come to the coach and you don't want really for him or her to to coach you based on the books they read or the stories they've heard. It's really important to resonate with someone. And I know, Cardilea, it's uh, a completely uh, a new podcast, but would you share a little bit more about your sexual trauma? Hmm. Well, you know, generally I don't talk about things that I'm still processing, so I don't know exactly what I'm going to say or how much I will say. <laughs> um, all I can say is... Uh, about six months ago, when I was starting on my path with authentic Tantra, I would not have considered uh, dating, never mind being in a relationship. Now I'm entertaining the idea. Mm -hmm. Now, um, and actually at the end of my book, or one of those last two chapters, I, I talk about my sexual trauma in the book. Yeah, and um, and so I was already on that path of exploration, you know, and better understanding myself. I want to say even like there was an episode when my my podcast was still called Replenish Me. I think in two thousand eighteen, I did a. I did an episode called sexual healing or something like this, where I was talking about how um, to keep the peace. Sometimes we'll go ahead and have sex, even if we don't want to, mm -hmm. or we'll do things that are not comfortable because we know it won't last very long. But now I, what I'm understanding in this healing phase is that, um, remember what I was talking about, the voice and the, the uh, uterus being connected, right? So by my not speaking up for what it is that I truly desire to feel and experience mm. in, you know, in sexual intercourse, then it, it shut down like a variety, like a, just so many levels of who I am and how I show up in the whole world. And, um, And now I feel like there's a clear path, you know, and um, even with my love, right? It was just like, I can love my children, right? So there was that sphere of love. And so a lot of people say that I am love, right? 
And that is just a sentence, unless you really become a love bubble. So the love bubble goes from, I, I think, right? I open myself to the channel of divinity and I allow that to come through me. And for women, we have the portal between worlds and our vaginas, right? And our, and, and, and our uterus, right? Because babies come through there, babies are put in there, right? And it's a spiritual experience. And actually, you know, as Muslims, we, we say, I'm sure there's other uh, people that do this as well, but they're like, whenever you have intercourse with your husband, there is a what we call a dua or a supplication <clears throat> with the intention that your uterus is protected from any evil or harm and and so that you know the good between you and your husband will go into that child right so literally it is a spiritual and sexual practice right and it, and you're bringing in something between the worlds so um I would say the times outside of when we actually paused to do that, you know, and, you know, intentionally make the supplication that um, it was very, um, I, I, I wasn't as um, present, right? and I wasn't as intentional and you know sometimes it was just like to avoid problems you know like I said to keep the peace and you know that some this is why some women just don't have sex at all I felt like why should I rob myself of some kind of pleasure right um when I you know could get what I could, right? Get what I can out of this, right? Um, and so that's that's the, the missing piece that I now am learning in, in, in Authentic Tantra. That bypass of, let me see what little pleasure I can get out of this, that's not what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a full body orgasmic experience, a spiritual experience, a full connection, that little supplication that we make is really a big deal and like you know i mean my children are beautiful i think that good sex makes beautiful kids but you know so you and laban have no problem but i'm just saying um <laughs> you know the if i'd really taken it seriously think about how much healthier they would be maybe how you know less how they could deal with stress better mm -hmm. um how they would, you know, be more grounded in their bodies. But, you know, there was so much dysfunction in our relationship and in our family anyway that, you know, it is actually a miracle, right? And I think through my practice of self-nurturing for the purpose of survival, being in survival mode, and finally getting to thriving mode in order to get to a place to choose to, I'm not gonna, you know, I can't live another 20 years like this. Them seeing me go through those transformations, you know, is healing them also, you know? So epigenetics works like that too. <laughs> um, so I, 
I tried not to stray too much from actually answering your question and put in all the things that are necessary to pull out um, so you can, so was it clear? Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I'm, I'm very grateful uh, to you for sharing this because not many uh, women, especially in Islam, will share those kind of information, which I think is very important because so many, so many of them would be struggling and not knowing what to do, how to react. And for me, it was very, very important what you said the um, creating children, uh, making this intention from the very beginning is very important. Because I think, I believe that kids, children's souls can feel your soul, can feel your energy. And that's how, that's where everything starts. Thank you so much for sharing. I appreciate it. And my dear listeners, uh, well, Cordelia revealed that she talks talks about her sex, sexual trauma more in her book. So is it on Amazon? It is on Amazon. It's also on my website. So, yeah. Wonderful. Then I think uh, it's the best, the best question to ask you how people can find you and your book. Yeah. So I make it super easy. My website's CordeliaGafar.com. Everything I do is there. Um, my bookshop is there. So I've, you know, we've mentioned I've written eight books, but when you go to my bookshop to get Detached Love, there's a, an option to get the bundle. So I also created a hundred page uh, journal that goes with the book. So those, for example, that section on self-nurturing, there's I think 40 pages where you can actually practice that. So it's supposed to be a 40 day practice, yeah. Um, so that's the benefit of not getting it on Amazon. <laughs> um, yeah, and then you have access to my my podcast there, um, the Free to Be Show and Unlearning Labels, at least, and and then the retreats that I sponsor that I that I offer called the Replenish Me retreats, which also take you through that elemental process of connecting and seeing the reflection of your your being in nature. So we go to exotic places. You know, last time was Hawaii. In February will be St. Martin. And I'm looking at Guatemala or Bali for, you know, some upcoming ones. Would you share a bit more information about your upcoming retreat in St. Martin next February? Yeah. So like we were just talking about healing sexual trauma, right? So the element of fire is our sexuality. And so St. Martin actually has uh, a volcano. So we'll be <laughs> doing like a, a meditation and um, going and being with the actual element of fire within and seeing it reflected in nature. And then the element of air is our uh, our voice which again i talked about right mm -hmm. and uh, water is um our heart and um and then earth is um is like our full constitution so we'll be doing excursions that align with the different elements and align with different ways to free up 
those elements within us. You know, uh, when you were talking about these four elements, I, I had the goosebumps on my skin. Cordelia, because I'm learning about uh, having all four elements uh, in your body. I've been learning about this for many years. Um, and when you master to have all four elements, you become limitless, you become unstoppable and powerful because we usually default in one element, maximum two. And I know I'm defaulting into uh, earth when I'm very grounded. I'm, I'm very um, sort of calm and steady. Um, and sometimes I, I miss this fire element, like when I'm passionate, when I'm like, you know, uh, energized. Uh, and air, air element, it's all about being a child, like a child. You, you are so light. You're so free. <laughs> <laughs> just you just love love life and everyone around you what element are you defaulting like uh, what element are you by default or have you mastered all four elements well that's an interesting question and as i was listening to you so like in islamic medicine we have the four elements but in authentic tantra there are five so there's another one <laughs> but i'm not going to get into that it's it's called space mm -hmm. and so that's basically like the love bubble if you want to think of it from that perspective so for me mastering the elements i'm in the practice of all the elements and although i am um more water leaning whether you're talking about authentic Tantra or Islamic medicine. Mm -hmm. um, these days, I am leaning more into fire. Mm -hmm. I can feel it. I can <laughs> feel it. <laughs> With your beautiful red lipstick. <laughs> Thank you. Karzelia, what a pleasure. What a pleasure to be in your space today and to feel your amazing energy. Thank you so much. And before we go, do you have any concluding thoughts? Um, free yourself to feel the joy that is within you. Mm. Free yourself to feel the joy. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, Cardelia Gaffar. Thank you for being here today. I know it's not easy. If you are ready to take this journey all the way, I can help. To find more about my unique method of turning your past trauma into your superpower or how to connect with me best, go to annaditchburn.com. This journey isn't possible to do on your own. So make sure you like, subscribe and review the podcast so we can help more people like you. And if you have someone in your life who is struggling to overcome their trauma, this is something you can give them that truly can change the course of their life forever. We'll see you next time for another episode of the world's best trauma recovery podcast. And just remember, you are able to help yourself and you can do it right now. <laughs>